All right. Uh, listen, if you've got your Bibles, either paper or book form or on your phone, go to Psalm 42. That's where we're going to be um, for, well, I was going to say most of the morning, the whole morning. So, um, listen, I am in a great mood. Somebody asked me why. Because I have been at the beach, y'all. Come on. Um, just quick show of hands. How many of you are beach people? Okay. All right. How many of you are not? Okay. Praying for y'all. It's good. It's good. Um, how many of you have a place that when you go to that place, it just feels like you can hear God better? Right? We all have those places, right? Um, depending on how busy your, your family is, it might be the bathroom. I don't know. But um, the beach, well, I mean, really, anything outdoors for me, like, I love the mountains. I love all of it. But the beach, for some reason, that's just a place, man. I just feel like God can, he just... He's always speaking, but I just feel like I just get away and I can hear. And I, and so before I left to go, I had already started putting this message together because I kind of knew where I wanted to go. The This is our last week, you know, kind of this practice run before next week. We, we talk about this this remix series about how, like, when we remix, it can be a little bit messy. Yes, have you recognized this in your lives? Yes, as things start to open up, it's almost like, ooh, it feels weird. It's different. It's Yeah, it's not the same, and it can get messy. So I kind of knew where I wanted to go this morning before next week. But then, man, I read it, and, and, I'll, and we're going to read it in just a second. I think if, if the psalmist could have written a psalm that could be the anthem of the church in 2020 in America, it would be Psalm 42, okay? And we'll read it in a second, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Then I go to the beach. So I had all that, right? I had all that in my head, like, this is this direction I'm going to go. And then I go to the beach, and we just hang out. It's, it was crazy hot, and, like, I'm just thankful I got out without getting burned too badly, right? And you're in the water, and we're playing. I'm a water guy, you know, like all that stuff. Um, and then while I'm in the water, I just get different downloads about this message. And I'm like, okay, God, how, how's it all going to fit together? And if you don't speak for a living, communicate for a living, teachers, you're going to get this right away. You don't know the anxiety when you think you have it pegged, and then there's a different layer, and you're like, oh, gosh, like, which one are they both? Anyway, you could just be at home going, like, God, I don't even know. So I've talked to joke with people this morning, like, this could be the worst sermon I've ever preached. It's possible. This could be the worst one ever. But, but it's the Word of God, so it's still going to be good, right? Um, so listen, Psalm 42, right? If David was going to write, if he was going to write a psalm, if there was going to be a psalm written for this time in our country, I believe it would be Psalm 42. Now, we're going to read it from the um, New Living Translation, and then I'm going to teach from the New Living and the NIV. Um, but if you got it, Psalm, you're already there, and I'm not. Boy, that's a preacher fail right there. Come on, Paul. Get it together. All right, Psalm 42. Now, before I read this, some scholars believe that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 in our Bible were actually one psalm. Okay, and so if you read through them together, what you'll notice is there's three verses in those two psalms that are ex they're identical, and two of them are in Psalm 42, and one of them's the last verse in Psalm 43. We're not doing both those today. Okay, I just want you to know that we're we're going to look at Psalm 42. It could be like that's half of the psalm that was originally written, but it's the one that applies to us today. Now check this out. Think 2020, right? Are you there? It's not hard to think about 2020. It's all around us, right? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
when can I go and meet with God? Now, you just think about how much in our society right now with, with church people, when can I go back to church, right? When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Isn't that what we've been saying? God, I remember back in February it was awesome when I used to go to church on Sunday, right? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep cost to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me, taunt me saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We don't have time to do it this morning, um, but that's a great psalm to read in the message and in the Passion Translation. So just on your own time, look it up and, and read that out. Let me, let me get you through what we've done with the Remix series to today, okay? We've talked about how important it is in a remix to know the original song, right? Because what you're doing in a remix is you're like adding a new sound to an old song. you got to know the original song. So the original song is the truth of the gospel from the very beginning, right? We know that God created Adam and Eve. We know that he put them into a perfect environment. And even in a perfect environment, they jacked it up. I know none of you can relate to that, right? Hmm. But before they messed it up, what was the plan? It was that God's glory would fill the earth. And that it would fill the earth through them. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Have tons of little Adams and little Eves who have no sin. And everywhere they go, they will take my glory and fill that space. Right? That was the gospel from the very beginning. Now, they messed that up. So we are supposed to bring God's image and glory into empty spaces. Last week we talked about the messy middle, right? About how the priests had to step into the Jordan at flood stage. They had to all be in it. They had to all be in the mess before the miracle happened. We've talked about when that starts to happen, like when, when you're stepping into the mess, it's probably a good thing to know exactly what you believe, right? To know exactly what's true. And so we looked at the Apostles' Creed. We've talked about creeds in this series and how they're, they're like a touchstone, right? So, okay, 105 words in the Apostles' Creed is a touchstone for me. I know this is true, right? It's something that we can carry with us into the mess. I told you last week that stepping into the mess is stepping into the middle, expecting something supernatural. See what I did there? M-E-S-S. All right, just make sure you're with me, okay? Now, this morning... Psalm 42 is a mess. It is a mess. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is what does it look like to go into the deep? Now, I didn't ask you this question about the beach, but some of you probably, when you go to the beach, you are toes in the water kind of people, right? Some of you are all the way in until you can't touch the bottom. And some of you are just toes in the sand, 
right? These are the people back on the beach taking pictures of people in the water. Yesterday, um, the last thing our family did before I came back was we went on a banana boat, which was awesome, right? Like, it's fantastic. And we laughed, and people fell into the middle of the boat, and it was great the whole time. I didn't fall one time, but people did in our family who were, who were remain nameless. So I love it. Like, I'm all in, right? So when we go to, we talk about the deep, some of us are like, oh, yeah, the deep. And some of us are like, ooh, I, I want the shallow end. And what I want you to see this morning is what we consider the deep is probably not how God considers the deep. Okay? You ready? If you take notes, you're going to write some things down. All right? So the deep is a place of, I'm going to give you the four words first, and then we're going to take it, we're going to break them down. The deep is a place of desperation, of emotion, of engagement, and of power. I know, you're impressed. You're like, that was D-E-E-P. Yeah. So let's talk about these four things, all right? Here we go. Number one, the deep is a place of desperation. Just listen to some of the words that the psalmist uses. As the deer pants. I long, I thirst, where can I go? Um, I don't know if this is true. I'm just going to say it because I've heard it in messages. I haven't verified it. Some of you that hunt will know. But I have been told that a deer is never more thirsty than when he or she, when the deer has been wounded. And so when, when he says, as a deer pants for streams of water, we read that and go, oh, the deer's thirsty. That's so sweet. But it could mean that the deer is wounded and is desperate for, for refreshment. These are, these are signs of desperation. Now, here's why that's important. When we say that we want the deep things of God, here's what we normally mean. I want to learn more, and the bigger the words are, the better. Right? If, I, if it takes me five syllables to pronounce the word, then I am deep. But that's not what he's talking about when he says deep. It's not just knowing. It's desperation. It's the deep things of God. Listen to this. Here's your big idea. The deep things of God are found in the deep waters of life. That's where you go deep with God is in the deep waters. By and large, we struggle to be in the vulnerable place of desperation because it feels out of control and hard. Don't raise your hand if you like to be in control. But feel free to point to the person next to you that does like to be in control, right? It feels hard. It feels vulnerable. It's, we don't like those places. So here's what we do. And if you've ever said this phrase, I'm not making you feel bad about it. We skip to the part about God being good all the time and all the time God being good. And we skip past the part about how we need him to be good in this time. Man, we are so good with Christian cliches, aren't we? We just spit them out. Like, I, I literally could have gone, God is good. And a lot of y'all would have been, all the time. And he is. And all the time, he really is good. But we gloss over in that little cliche that captures everything. It is such a big truth that we don't like to talk about this specific time in my life when I actually need to see the goodness of God. And this is a desperate place. And the deep things of God are part of that. Desperation will cause you to go deep with God. Second, it's a place of emotion. Um, I thought about this. 
because we talked about, like, you know, when I know more, when I've got bigger words, and I'm not saying we shouldn't learn because we should definitely learn, right? We should definitely study the Word of God. We should know more about God. All that's important. But if it's just that, then here's what happens. We equate knowledge with depth. And what that means on the inverse is that we equate shallowness with emotion. Now, I was raised as a church mutt, right? That's, people say, what's your denomination? Mutt, right? Because, like, I was raised Methodist, and then we went to the crazy Pentecostal church, and then I've been, to a, I've been in Baptist churches. I was in a Baptist church that was actually Presbyterian doctrine. I've been all over the place, right? Pentecostal churches, the knock on Pentecostal churches typically is, oh, they're, just, they're all emotion. And so we've, we have equated emotion with shallow and knowledge with depth. But the deep places, are it's a place of emotion. I believe the psalmist, he equates emotion with courage, not with being shallow. I don't know if you can relate to um, the verse that says, night and day. My tears have been my food day and night. You know people that cry all the time. Have you ever been in a season where you just cried all the time? Um, when we took Parker to Chapel Hill as a freshman and we dropped him off, because if you don't know our family, we're five deep, so we family of five. So we took him and we dropped him off and we came back. I made sure I had my sunglasses on because I cried the whole way home. Like you have to like wipe the tears before they get to the bottom of the glasses. Not like I'm ashamed of it, but I just knew people didn't, they don't, my family don't want to see me cry the whole time. Like, come on, Dad, get it together, right? So I finally like, I sucked it up. I got it together and we decided to stop in Ashboro for, for lunch. And so we stopped at IHOP. We walked in. Literally, the lady who's going to see this, she says, just four? And I just, in a hop, lost it. Like, just four? It's just four. There's just four. And she's probably like, geez, like, I don't know what I just, what button I just pushed, but, you know, like, pancakes will fix that, right? Man, have you ever been in a place where you just, you can't even get a hold of your emotions? You're so raw that anything can set you off. And that's where the psalmist was. He says, look, I'm constantly crying. He says, my heart is breaking. He is in such a place of mourning. And what he's mourning is, I'm using our vernacular now, he's mourning the loss of church as usual. Because he's actually in exile. Now, I know that we feel like we've been in exile, right? But they're actually in exile. They're serving as slaves to another nation. And he's longing to be back where he used to be. Oh, I remember how I used to not only go to the house of God, but how I used to actually lead the praise and the worship. I remember those sunny nights, man, when God would just show up and they'd play a certain sound on the keyboard and people would start dancing. Oh, it was amazing. I wish I had that. Oh, the, when, when people would pull flags out and start to wave them, like, he's thinking about all the things. Like, if you're a tambourine person, he's thinking, oh, when Sister Susie pulls out the tambourine. I'm not a big tambourine person, but, you know, whatever. He's remembering these amazing moments in the house of God, and he's wishing he could have that again. He's full of emotion, and in the midst of all that, in the midst of knowing that God is good all the time, and I love this, he's bold enough to say, 
that he's discouraged and he's sad. You can't read Psalm 42 and not feel the emotion that's in it, right? And sometimes, man, at church, we have what I would call the I'm fine epidemic, right? How's it going? Fine. You doing well? I'm, I'm fine. Really? Yes. But I want to be deep. Really? You want to be deep? Just keep it at that one-syllable word level? I ask you how you're doing. We all know that you're not doing well, and you're going to say you're fine, and you want depth. You're never going to have depth with God if you can't get past the surface level of your emotions. Now, this is not a psychology message. You know, like some of us are all, we're all different personalities, right? So some of us are like, I'm all about my feels. <laughs> and some of us are like, shut up, right? But God created us with emotions. And however we process those emotions, the point here is the psalmist is processing emotion, not pushing it away. Desperation, emotion. Here's the third one. Some of y'all are like, he said this might be his worst sermon. He was right. Okay. Let's keep going. Number three is engagement. Um, and maybe if you're writing down engagement, maybe just put um, in parentheses, put experience. Because this morning, early as I was praying over it, I just, experience might be a better word, but I'm going to talk to you about engagement, and then you can figure out and you can use the word you want. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody who was not engaged? Every Sunday I preach. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Like when you talk to somebody and they're like, you, they're like, they're like, I know you're engaged right now, but like they're almost looking past you, and there's nothing there. Um, I'm not talking about like the obvious, like you're talking to them and they're on their phone or their device or they're watching f- football behind you. I'm talking about like when there's nothing else going on and you're having a conversation and you can just tell they are not with you. I mean, I mean this in love. I'm the pastor. I know, but don't you just want to slap that person? Like, you want to be like, you want to grab them and go, what I'm saying is super important. I need you, like, eyes on me, right? I can remember when, when our kids were really small, and there was that one time that I was typing on the computer, and Parker said, Dad, look at me. And I said, I am. And he said, no, with your eyes. Like, engage. And what I want you to see is that when you really get into the deep places with God, you're going to find yourself engaged. The psalmist here is completely engaged in the moment. Some words, right? We've already talked about some of these. Verse 1, he says, I'm like a deer. Verse 2, he says, tears are my food. Verse 3, he's mourning. In verse 4, he's mourning what used to be. And then in verse 6, he's bringing God into the discouragement. What I want you to see here is he's trying to find ways to describe what he's experiencing. Does that make sense? Again, contrast that with the I'm fine epidemic. And here's a man who's like, like if you had asked the psalmist, hey, how's it going? Kind of like a deer. Like that's the conversation where you you start going, oh, I'll be praying for you. Right? Kind of sorry I asked. And I get it. I think sometimes we say I'm fine because we don't think people really want to know what we, how we're doing. Because in the South, we're just supposed to say, y'all good? But what if we actually answered the question, right? And so here he's actually answering that question. He said, well, I mean, if you really want to know, 
Um, I haven't eaten any food the last couple days and nights because all I can do is cry. How long are you staying in that conversation, right? Hey, uh, I think we've got a prayer card somewhere if you want to fill that out. We'll pass that all along to Pastor Paul. That'd be great. You know, like we, we, don't, we don't want to stay engaged in that. You've got to be engaged. He's bringing God into the discouragement. He's still, listen, in verse 9, he's still talking to God. Look what it says. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Even though he knows, he knows that God's going to come through. If you ask the psalmist, is God good? He would say all the time. But in this time, he still had the courage to say, but God, like that, you're, you're the God that's good all the time. Why have you forgotten me in my time? Because he's engaged. He's still talking to God. And then we already read verse 5, and verse 11 is exactly the same. He's talking to himself. He's engaged in the moment. He's engaged in what he's experiencing. He's not just coasting through. Now, I'm going to read this to you just like I put it in my message notes. And you can take it up with somebody else if you don't like it. But here we go. The point here is that he is not numbing himself out of a hard place. There's no, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, or I just need a glass to take the edge off language in this psalm. But we medicate all the time. I just, I, just need, I just need to take the edge off. Really? What if the edge is exactly where God wants you to be? Because he wants to take you somewhere deeper. But I want the deep things of God. Do you? Or do you just want to take the edge off? Because the deep things of God are hard. Because the only way to get there is through the deep waters of life. What we see in Psalm 42 is a man in a desperate place, full of emotion, actively engaged in the hard work that depth requires. And finally, deep is a place of power. And it's not our power, right? I mean, I guess you could almost say, I wanted to say it's a place of powerlessness, but it's really not. It's a place of power, but it's just not our power. It's God's power, right? When we really get into deep places, we start to realize this is God's power. He is actually able to meet me in this place. Verse 7 in the NIV has always drawn me to it. As soon as I find it, I will tell you what it says. Verse 7, deep calls to deep. I've always heard that phrase, and, and, and it, it could mean this, but what I've always heard it as is like the deep places in me. Like you know the deep parts of you that you can't even explain to somebody else. Like you try, and you're like, there's just no words. Like I've said this to people before. If I could just rip my chest open and you could just see what I feel, that would be a lot easier. You have to have surgery afterwards. I get it. But it would be so much easier, Right. So the deep parts of us, God hears it. And the deep parts that God calls to the deep part of us, and I like, that's the way I've always kind of heard that. But when I studied the psalm, a lot of what the scholars will say is, like, this is a psalm that was written by a man who was in exile. And what he wanted more than anything was to get back to the presence of God. And the depth that he's talking about here, the deep calls to deep, when he says your waves break over me, 
the deep places he's talking to are hard places. Like he's almost saying, I feel overwhelmed by grief. And it dawned on me, grief, y'all. Do you know, I, I say this with air quotes, do you know what's wrong with the, the American church right now? Nothing. She's grieving. We're actually grieving that it might not look like it used to look. And what God dropped in my heart at the beach this week, and I'll close in just a second with this, is that I believe with all my heart that the best is yet to come for the church. But we'll never step into the best if we haven't fully grieved the loss. And so we're just spitting stuff out on Facebook, mad at the world, people bumping up against us, and we're just, Rah! you know. And then we're like, did y'all, I just woke y'all up, didn't I? Somebody was sleeping in their recliner right now on this thing, and they saw it, and they were like, oh, my goodness. And we don't even know why we react that way. The reason we react that way is because we're hurting because of the loss. But I'm telling you, man, we got to grieve that thing so we can step into what's best. And so as I was at the beach, I kept thinking about that verse. Because we are, as a family, we are um, we're body surfers. We're not good at it. But, you know, you look for the big wave. You try to catch that wave. You ride in as far as you can. And, and when you're in it, y'all, anybody else body surf? I'm not talking about, like, on a surfboard. I'd love to know how to do that. But, like, just with your body, right? You just, isn't it crazy when you dive into the wave and you can feel the wave carrying you along? Don't you feel like you're going about five or six blocks? And then you stand up and you're like, oh, five feet. That was great. Yeah. Try to look all cool and tough. But it's like, I lo we love that. But, listen, to get to the place where those big waves can crash on you, you have to get through a lot of crashing waves. And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced grief, but I have. And it's how it feels. Like you get knocked down by a wave and you finally get up and you get all the sand out of your face and you sunscreens out of your eyes and then another wave hits you. And then another wave hits you. And it's not long before you're just like, this, this is stupid. I hate this. And that's the way the deep places feel. Because I'm all about D-E-E-P, right? Because they're relentless. The waves are relentless. And they can make us feel like we have been dealt everything except peace. So our answer in the church is, well, if I could just get through that part and out to the really deep places in God, oh, that'd be great. That's where I want to be. And I don't know how you are about the ocean. When I go to the beach on the way down, I'm always thinking about all the sharks in the water. And then when I get to the beach, I don't care about that. I just go in the water, right? But if you really think about it, I, this, this past week, I thought, if, I could, if God could just, like, pick me up from the shallow and put me out, what if I was one, two, five, ten miles offshore and he just dropped me in? What am I feeling there? I'm desperate. There's emotion. I am fully engaged. I mean fully. Seaweed hits my toe. There's other stuff in the water coming from me, right? I mean, I, I'm fully engaged. Any sound that might be a boat or a helicopter, those people 
pulling those banners up in the sky on those planes. I'm, way, I'm fully engaged. Why? Because I know that I need one thing. And it's not a medium well steak, right? It's not a hamburger. It's not French fries. It's not, I don't need to go parasailing or on a banana. I just need to get saved. I need to be rescued. I realize in that moment that I'm powerless because it's just little tiny me in a humongous ocean of water. Can I just tell you this? That's the deep place. And the church isn't there yet. We're still splashing around on the, on the front side, on, on the shore side, saying, but I, I want to be deep. I want to be deep. But we don't want to go through any of the stuff that puts us there. But when you are deep with God, here's what happens. God actually uses all those waves and breakers. We don't like to think of God this way, but he actually uses those to detach everything except presence. Because what the psalmist said here is, I just want you, God. I just want your presence. I'd like it to be like it was before, but if there's some other way, I just want you. So he says, he ends the whole thing with like, why so downcast? Put your hope in God. And what I want you to know is this, we can put our hope in God, and that's a good thing. But you have to admit that you're in a place that's hopeless. And if we can't admit that, then we'll never know the hope of God. Psalm 69, verses 14 through 15, we're going to close with, with these two scriptures. He says, rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me. Pull me from these deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. God is able to save. We have to admit that we need saving. And so trust is a must in the deep. And I want to close, this is a powerful promise from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 says this. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. So this morning, you're here, right? And maybe all that's been going on in our, in our culture with COVID and all this stuff, maybe it's got you feeling powerless. I mean, he gives strength to the powerless. The good news about the God of the deep is that if he really could put us out from shore, Spiritually speaking, he doesn't drop us into the ocean of life, into the deep waters of life, and say, good luck. Start swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. He doesn't say that. He actually shows up in that place. He's the God of the deep, and he rescues us from that place. And so this morning, here in the building, and definitely if you're online watching, man, he's there. He's there, and the whole point of the deep is to make us say to God, I don't want anything else. I don't need anything else. I just need you. Just your presence, God. Just your presence. So before the team leads us, let me leave you with this thought. And then as they sing, I just want you to be able to respond to the Lord. And then we'll pray at the end. We were talking last night. And, and this is going to sound maybe kind of harsh. I don't mean it as harsh as it might sound. We're in a hurry to get back in church, right? We're in a real rush to get back into the building. And for a lot of good reasons. Um, we love each other, right? <laughs> this is when you want to shake your head like this, right? Yeah. 
we just like, we like being together. I mean, we love, we love getting together. And not just our church, but all churches. Like, people just love to get together, and that's a good thing. And so we're in a hurry to get back. And it just, it dawned on me this week. What, what if, what if COVID, I'm not saying God caused it, but what if, what if COVID was like a five and a half or six month wave that God was wanting to use to detach us from everything except his presence and we squandered it in a hurry to get back into church because we want deep things and he's like um, Paul there's nothing deeper than me I'm the deep you want deep I'm it but you can't have me with all the other things And maybe we've just fought against the very thing that God's wanted to use. You know, this is not unfamiliar teaching. If if you've been with us at the gathering, I've told you numerous occasions. We pray to get out of hard situations that God actually might have had us be in so he can work something out of our lives or use us in that place. We are such an escapist culture. And sometimes I think God just wants us to be an enduring church. And the only way you can do that is just to stay in it, right? And so we're going to sing the chorus of that song that we sang earlier, you know, like chains fall and fear bow. And all of that is so, so true. And I want you to know when you hear those words, what we're not saying is, hey, like, just get out of it. What we're saying is, no, God's going to meet you in that place. The psalmist said, why are you so downcast, my soul? Like, I, why? Because put your hope in God. He will deliver you. Because he's good all the time. And all the time he's good. And he's not forgotten this time. And he really will come through for you. So put your hope in God. And as we sing this song, man, if you need that in your life, listen, if you want to come to the altar, you can. If you want to put a mask on before you come, that's cool too. Because we're going to wrap the service up and I'm going to pray for you. I told you this last Sunday, God is, I know that he's given us the freedom in this place to pray over people for the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what we need right now. And so as they sing, if you want to be prayed for for that I'm just going to ask you put your mask on come stand up here I'll put my mask on I'll anoint you with oil and we'll pray okay but if not just where you are man be with the Lord use this time to let this truth sink into your soul right the deep things of God are found in the deep waters of life let him meet you there I'll come back and close this out when we're done
church and your church is that we would be desperate for you. I don't want to be polite, God. I don't want I don't want my worship to be polite. I want it to be desperate. I want God to be that man in the deep parts of the ocean who his only thought is, God, where are you? I need you. That's all I need, God. And, and I, I don't want to pray us out of that place. I don't want to move too quickly away from the places that, if we're really honest with ourselves, make us feel out of control. Make us struggle because we don't have the answers. But God, it is in that moment that we see that you are all we need. You are the answer. God, I don't want, we don't want to try to sum that all up with the bumper sticker. And we just want to be in that place. And so I pray over our church that we would become a church that steps into those deep waters. Struggles together to make sense of it all. While we hold on tightly to who you are. I believe this, God, that the next great awakening, the next great move of your spirit is going to take us to those places. And God, we need you to use the waves, use the breakers, man, just to detach us from control and the need to understand everything. And I just pray, God, as we close this morning that you would give us a, a new faith. May part of that remix sound, that new sound would be total faith in who you are and yet total understanding that we're never going to understand all of who you are. This, this is the mystery of the gospel, God. And we want to embrace that, Lord. And we give you freedom to have your way in our lives in our church have your way in our city God thank you for meeting us this morning here here in this building here in cars here in homes here wherever here is you have done what you said you would do and when we gather you are there I pray over our gathering family over this house God that this would be a place where your presence dwells. 
that this would be a place where people could, if they could just get with people and pray with them, they would know your presence in that place and that we would be marked by your presence everywhere we step our feet, God, every restaurant we eat in, every store that we shop in, every everybody we encounter, God, that your presence would, from the overflow, spill out onto them. Do, God, the deep work in us that is required for that kind of a move. And hold us tightly while you do it. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen, thank you for being with us this morning. Um, those of you that are online, thanks for joining with us. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we'll, um, the link will go live so you can reserve your space for next week. You're not going to want to miss it. You're going to want to be here. Man, God's doing something amazing in this church, and we're so thankful that you're a part of it. We love you guys. Have a fantastic week.